a little bit about the resurrection here this morning. Why don't you grab your Bible just before you're seated, and we're going to uh, look at the Easter story in the Gospel of Luke. So if you would turn with us, we're going to look at a couple of verses in uh, chapter 24, and we'll just read it before we actually begin teaching. So we're just going to read a couple of verses, if you have your Bible. Uh, I'm going to read verse 1 up. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came into the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared. Obviously, we're just jumping in after the crucifixion and certain others with them, and they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. Can you read verse 2 with me? And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher. Wouldn't that be, just think of all that was going through their mind. And they entered in and found not the body of the Lord Jesus. And it came to pass as they were much perplexed thereabout. Behold, two men. Now John doesn't use the word men. He uses the word angels. And there were two men perplexed. There. <laughs> Let's try that again. We're now at verse 4. And it came to pass, as they were much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. So that's, unless they had batteries way back then, that was, that was an angel, two angels. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? Let's read verse 6 together. He is not here, but is risen. Let's lift our hands and thank the Lord for what he's done. Father, thank you for the spirit. We feel your blessing. Lord, your goodness upon us. We give you praise and we magnify you in Jesus' name. Praise God. Amen. Now, you may be seated. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're very kind to stand. I know you're glad to be seated here. Now, we're going to talk a little bit about a couple aspects of Easter, and I've chosen today to talk specifically about how Easter demonstrates that Jesus is God. Now, <clears throat> I want to be specific. I want to look at it very specifically, so you can uh, you consider it boring if you'd like. But what I want to do is I want to look at some scriptures which demonstrate that Jesus is, though a man, the very God that Moses knew in the Old Testament. Are you following me? He's not another God. He's not a second part of God. He's not a God part of God nobody knew about until later. No, no. Jesus is the very God that Moses was confronted with in the burning bush. He's the very God, not part of that God, not a, a, a bit of that, not a committee of God, but he is God himself. Anybody believe that Jesus is God himself? And I want to look at the way the resurrection uh, demonstrates it and so forth. Now, we're going to begin here. I'm going to make sure. All right, at number one, let's see if it comes up, and we're looking at Deuteronomy 6.4, which of course is the Jews, and we're going to come around because uh, we're going we're gonna to look directly at the New Testament. Are we good here? All right, he's, are you looking for, all right, but now Deuteronomy 6.4 says, let's say it together, here, O Israel. The Lord our God is 
one Lord. It doesn't say he's three or he's two or a thousand. He's one Lord. And, and there's several things about it. Of course, the, the Hebrew, which I often quote, and I, I, I enjoy Hebrew, and so I'm not just doing it because I want to say it in Hebrew. <clears throat> I do teach Hebrew, and I enjoy that. But what I'm trying to say is that um, in the, even the quoting of, of Deuteronomy 6.4 from Hebrew I do not, I do it just like Jews do because I studied Hebrew under Jewish people. So when you say Shema Yisrael Adonaiah, that's not what the text says. If we were looking at it, and we're not because uh, they're, they're trying to find the, the files, all right? But when you say Shema Yisrael Adonaiah, Adonaiah is the Hebrew word Lord, and the word Lord is not in the text. The word that's in the text is Jehovah or Yahweh. Yahweh is the Hebrew Jehovah is an English way to sort of say the same thing, all right? So there we have it. So now uh, we do need a pointer, and Lord, I want you to, oh, oh I was going to pronounce a curse on, oh, no, here we go. All right, so we have a pointer. So Hebrews read this way. I know we looked at this last time. I'm trying to show you how this connects with the resurrection. So Shema Yisrael, that's not Adonaiah, that's Yahweh. But the Jews would never say the name of God. They considered it so holy. And how many knows that Jesus is a holy name? The word Jesus comes from this word because that's why he said, you shall call his name Jesus for he shall what? Save. He's going to be a savior from their sins. So he is Yah, is what, this is what Jesus means. Jesus in Greek is from the Hebrew that means Yah is our savior. That's who Jesus was. He was the Yah who is our Savior. He is God. Praise, anybody, anybody thankful that Jesus is a mighty Savior? Praise God. Of course, everyone knows Jesus is Savior. All right, so, uh, so hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Now, I want you to grab your Bible. I know it's Easter. I know some of us are like, oh, Brother French, we're way too lazy for that. All right, let's go, first of all, to um, J- uh, John. Let's go to John, and let's go to chapter 6, which is where uh, Jesus talks a great deal about, oh, uh, okay, you don't have to follow me. I'm just going to, we're just going to run through. Just stay, stay right there. We're not ready to move on. They're, they're trying to stay with me now. Okay, I just want to look at a couple things in John 6, verse 33. And you have your Bible. For the bread of God is he which, what? Cometh down. So Jesus came down from heaven. So how did he do that if he were just a man? Jesus came what? Down from heaven. Everybody say down from heaven. All right. And then let's go to verse 38. Now we're going to do this is Bible study. So we're going to have a little fun with it. Look at verse 38 for and this is red letter. What does it mean if it's red letter? The words of Jesus for I came down from heaven. All right. Now, I'm not here to go in some great length here, but if Jesus came down from heaven, that many had to be in heaven. He's the son of man which is in heaven. That is to say that Jesus, when he was in heaven, he wasn't a man. He was born in Bethlehem. When he was in heaven, who was he? He was God. He came down from heaven. Now we're going to look at that from several uh, angles. But now I want us to go to back to chapter 3. Because this is a little more familiar. Now let's go to Ch- John 3. All right, And let's, uh, let's go to 14. All right, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Okay? Now, in chapter 6, he's talking about Jesus is the bread. 
So he's the bread, just like, and so in the Old Testament, the symbol would be the manna. So the manna saved them. So Jesus is the bread that saves us. And then verse 15, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God, let's say it together, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, let's do one more thing before we move, move further. Two, two, things, two things before we go further. All right, let's go over to the book of Hebrews. Is this okay? You don't mind going through the Bible a little bit, do you? I don't normally do this. I know it's Easter, but I want us to have a little fun with this. Now, let's go to Hebrews 2, and let's pick it up. Uh, well, let's just read verse, verse 9. That, I think, will say everything we need to say. But we see Jesus. Everyone say Jesus who was made a little lower than the angels, that is, he was made a man, for the suffering of death, crowned with glory and honor, that he, by the grace of God, should taste death for every man. And so now we're, we're really into the Easter story. So that because he lives... How many knows that because he lives, everything is different now. Everything is different now. Used to be I I had to go to the doctor. I had no other hope. But now my first recourse is God. Praise God. I used to be I was bound by sin, but not now. My first recourse is God. Lord, I need your help right now. I need your glory. I need you to come down. See, that's that's who I now have my hope in because he tasted death for all men. Now let's go back to John. I told you two. I said two. I didn't fool you. All right, John chapter uh, 20, all right? And we're still looking at the resurrection, but, <clears throat> but let's look at 20, 28. I know you're familiar with it. Well, I'll tell you what. <laughs> 26. I'm going to read three verses, but it's the same place. It's still one. Three verses, just one. All right? You're supposed to think that was funny. Here we go. Verse, uh, what did I say? 20. Six And after eight days again, his disciples were within and Thomas with them. In other words, after the resurrection, then came Jesus, the doors being shut, which the reason that's being said is he walked through it and he stood in the midst. In other words, no doors were open. He just walked in. Glory to God. Hallelujah. And said, peace be unto you. Anybody ever heard that from the Lord? Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, reach hither thy finger and behold my hands and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. And Thomas answered and said unto him, What? My Lord and my God. So what had the resurrection demonstrated? When did this revelation come to Thomas, who of course is one of the twelve? When did the revelation come who Jesus really was? This was never said earlier. In fact, th- listen to me, all right? <clears throat> the entire Gospel of John is written... In order to come to this verse, you say, well, why isn't it the last verse? Well, because there's other things to be said. But this is the theme of the entire gospel of John, that Jesus is man, but he's more than a man. Hallelujah. Someone said, well, Hollywood doesn't care a thing about Jesus. I don't care what Hollywood thinks about. What I care about is who he really is. I know him. I love him. So I'm not living for you. I'm not living for a paycheck. I'm not living for someone else. I'm living for him. 
He is the Lord of my life. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. So he looks at him and he realizes, even though this is a man, this is my Lord. I'm going to say Lord and my God. Of course, every Jewish person knew that when you said Lord, Adonai, or some other form, or Yahweh, or Elohim, or whatever word for God, when you said he's my Lord and God, that, that was the same God that Moses knew. Everybody say praise the Lord. All right, now let's go to the next slide. They're trying their best. They're, they're, uh, <laughs> they're doing their best. We're going to weave a couple things in between here. Now, I'd like you to go with me to uh, Luke 24, back to where we started. We read as our opening Easter text, all right? And of course, when we talk about who Jesus really was, what does, there's, uh, in our world today, there is uh, literally millions and millions and millions and millions of Christians. There are millions and millions of apostolics. In fact, one of the things that I've enjoyed my whole life before I was an apostolic, when I got the Holy Ghost, I had a passion to, to, to understand how many people were getting the Holy Ghost and how many knows that literally millions of people are getting the Holy Ghost and getting baptized in Jesus' name all over the world. In fact, I just got a, a recent thing into talking about a part of the world where there are so many people getting baptized. How many know that this is the day of revival? So millions of Christians, millions of apostolics. But it's also a time where I believe that we are at the end time where there's a, a great deal of animosity against holy things in our world. Because church is getting ready to leave. Anybody getting ready for the rapture? So I, I am. I'm getting ready for the rapture. Someone said, well, you better, if you pack your bags, you're going to be sitting there a long time. Well, I don't need to pack any bags. No, no, no. I wouldn't have time to grab them. I'm leaving in, the, in a twinkling of an eye. So the bags will still be there. I mean, the time I would try to, re- oh, twinkling of an eye, uh, $100 million on the table there. Not my table. I'm talking about your table. All right. And you reach over, oh, gone. Twinkling of an eye. Because you're not taking any, you're not taking anything with you. You're not going to need it. Yes, yes, yes. We're getting ready. So who is Jesus? Now we're in a world that is, uh, for example, someone says, listen, you're not going to like it. Not, you don't have to like everything. I don't like licorice. But some people do. I love bananas. Sister French won't even let me bring them in the house. I mean, I can bring them in the house. No, I, well, yes. No, the baby brings them in the house. I, for 30 years, could not bring them in the house. But the grandbaby can bring them in the house. So I had a little talk with her. Get more bananas. She didn't understand. But anyway. So we're in, in a world that's increasingly, for example, people would say, well, uh, Buddha and Jesus are the same thing. No, 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 Buddha and Jesus are not the same thing. They're not the same thing. Buddha is Buddha. Let's do a little test here. Who is Buddha? Buddha. Who is Jesus? Jesus. They're not the same thing. Buddha and Jesus are not the same thing. Of course, what they meant was that it didn't matter who you worship. So I said, so I could just worship your Cadillac here. Same thing? No, no it doesn't matter really what. I, well, no, I mean, you have to be sincere, whatever. They, we were literally talking about this. So I said, so if I sincerely believe when I'm worshiping this idol, then that's the same thing. What if I'm offering children? Uh, okay, uh, it's Easter morning. I need to be very uh, aware of that. So what if, uh, what if I decide to take human sacrifice on an altar and say, I believe this, the blood of that child? Is, well, is that the same as if I? No, 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 my friend. 
that only happens in a culture that has completely lost sight of what is really true. And we're in a culture that's lost sight of. I mean, our culture is completely confused. But how many knows he's the same yesterday, today, and forever? He never changes, praise God. That's the God that we're serving. And so here we are in a world that uh, is increasingly hostile to spiritual things, to the church, to righteousness, to the Bible. You know, Hitler, you know what first thing he did? He started burning Bibles. He was hostile to. Now, I know that there was a lot of things. Uh, Hitler had his own faith and so on, whatever that happened to be. But uh, he was demonic. And so his day bore the results of that. Our day are going to bear the result of the day that we're living in. To where we're constantly telling people there's no God. Doesn't matter who you worship. But the truth is, righteousness continues to grow. People are still, we're saying more get the Holy Ghost today than there's ever been. So we thank God for it. So the revelation of who Jesus is, that he's God as man. Can you say that? God as man. So what do you mean by that? I mean, God became a man. He wasn't a man. He became a man. And the word, it would say, became flesh. John 1, 14. I just want to be sure you're following me here. So when you say God as man, what you're saying is the devil hates. You know what the devil hates? That God has conquered all evil through Jesus Christ. He, the devil hates that. That's why the number one curse word in America today, guess what it is? Jesus Christ. That's the number one curse word. I, I was doing a little reading the other day. They were talking about the, the number one curse. In television. They're cursing all over television. But the, in movies, the number one curse in the world today is Jesus Christ. No, no, no. They're not getting up there and saying, oh, Buddha. No, they're not saying that. Now, I'm not trying to be uh, slanderous here. I'm simply trying to tell you that the name that they're slandering is the name Jesus. Or, or, or God. They've been doing that, of course, for several generations now. All right. So, th- so the revelation that God is man or became man or God as man is known as the oneness of God, that God is one. And this truth, of course, helps us to understand or see that when Jesus stepped out, victor, over death, out of, the, out of that tomb, alive, which is this picture. This is an actual uh, picture, by the way. It's not the actual Lord's, uh, it's, but it is an actual tomb. And it's perfect for this picture. And so I used it. But um, when we see Jesus step out of the grave... So whatever it is you're facing, he's mighty enough. Anybody need a God that's powerful enough to take care of your circumstance? Someone said, well, they're bound by, uh, oh, let's say drugs. Someone recently was talking to me about how nicotine just had them completely bound. I said, well, I... Been there, done that, no tons of people. But the Holy Ghost is stronger than nicotine. I'll tell you right now, stronger than nicotine, stronger than heroin, stronger than uh, all this stuff that binds people's hearts. Now, let's go to the next scripture. And that, of course, is we're going to see Deuteronomy 6 repeated in the New Testament. Now, I know I did this last time. but We're going to go quickly now because we want to get to Galatians 3. Now, and Jesus answered him. What's, they asked, what's the great, greatest commandment? The first of all the command. Oh. We're going to go to the next one. The first. There we are. Good. The, the first of all the commandments is what? Here is the Lord of God is one Lord. 
So had anything changed? Had God become more than one? Was Jesus some other God? Couldn't be, because it's the same massive and powerful truth that God is one. Everybody say, praise the Lord. All right, so I want you to see this again, but, uh, and of course, what I've done there, I've did a little fancy footwork, and I took, <clears throat> hallelujah, um, they're not going to let me run over, folks, don't worry, they're, they're going to make sure, Sister French has got all this here, I haven't got to look at this very closely. Oh my goodness, if your kids are hyper, Look at that. Sister French, you did a great job. In just a few minutes, the kids are going to be coming, and we're going to get to see them come through in the Easter parade. All right, so I did a little fancy work here, and I put the, uh, uh, da, 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 I put, here's the Hebrew from right out of that. In fact, by the way, so what, did I type that? No, I, I decided I didn't want to type it. I wanted to just get it really quick. So I just went over to Deuteronomy 6 in the Hebrew Bible, and I just grabbed it with my, with my uh, mouse, and I said, Let's click that right there. And, of course, you read it this way. Now, folks, I cannot hold that still. I'm trying. Mm. Okay, one more time. Brother Cole could hold this still. I know he could, but I... All right, I can't do it. All right, but the, the Greek is read this way. Akua Israel kurios. Here, it, oh, Israel, the Lord our God, our God is one Lord. So here's the Greek read this way. The point I'm trying to show you is that no matter whether you read it in the, and that's right out of the New Testament. I've given it to you from uh, Matthew 12, 29. That exactly word for word from the Hebrew, it's written word for word in the Greek showing that nothing had changed, that God is still God, he's still Lord. Just because he became a man didn't mean something changed. See, I used to think years ago, uh, before I was baptized in Jesus' name, I used to think that that Jesus must have been like another God, a really, you know, there must have been some way God was more than, I, I gave up on that a long time ago. Jesus is God himself, but he's God in his human revelation, and Satan knew it. Satan tried everything he could in the flesh to try to destroy Jesus Christ, nailed him to a cross, but every drop of blood that he shed was for our salvation. Can we just lift our hands and let's just thank him a little bit, Father. Lord, we're not trying to rush, but we want to give you praise and help us to, to, today to consider your goodness. And we give you all the praise. Now, they're going to go to Galatians. The next slide, uh, brother, thank you so much for <laughs> helping me do this. Galatians chapter 3. Now, I'm reading from the ESV for a reason because I want you to, uh, I want you to see that when I know that not every commentator is going to say this, if they knew, you know, I, I'd, I'd help them if they'd call me, but not every commentator calls me. Sometimes Bible, uh, in fact, the, the leading Greek scholar in the world is now, of course, dead, but he the, was the leading Greek scholar in the entire world of the Bible said of this verse, it is one of the most difficult to understand why it says God is one like this and that there are over 300 different interpretations. In fact, if you happen to read, let's say, uh, well, let's say you, you were going to read a translation trying to get a better understanding. So let's say you're reading the, uh, the, the New Living, which is out of Chicago. I used to work for them. So let's say you're using the New Living, which I, it's not my favorite, but it is, it's interesting. And so you could use it perhaps. And it, it puts in, everybody say praise the Lord. 
Come on, you got to stay with me here. What they do when they translate, let's say they want it to mean something, they just write that in. That's the way they translate. I think the Greek is supposed to mean this. And then they just make it say what they want it to say. That's uh, got a special name. It's called dynamic translation. And so they think that, well, okay, whatever it's, a, what they really meant is what, not what the words say, but what they meant, I'll change it to what they meant. Because I see the Greek here. So I'll just change it to what they meant. Well, that, that, see, that to me, that's why I always say, no, no, don't, don't, trans- don't tell me what they meant. Because what you think they meant and somebody, that's not what I want to see what they, or thankfully we can read it for ourselves. But the point is that when, when you go to interpreting Galatians chapter three, now turn with me to Galatians. So this is it. We're almost, we're almost to the end here. When you go to Galatians and we see that he is talking to us about a mediator, uh, I want to, uh, I, I want you to see that what Paul was preaching there that day now that's a picture of Paul preaching that's not he's I'm just pretending he's preaching to the Galatians because I couldn't I don't know if I could ever find one where he's preaching directly to the Galatians but uh I'm sure that's Mars Hill I know that's Mars Hill that's a famous painting and I'm pretending he's preaching to the Galatians but you see I'm using it just as imagery so that's a, a an image some artist had of Paul preaching and 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 the famous sermon on Mars Hill that's the that's a picture but but not too far up from there would be, of course, Galatia, where he's preaching. And when he does, we're, we're reading the sermon right here in Galatians chapter 3. Now, I want to read it from the ESV for a couple of reasons. Um, but you, you, uh, you can listen closely and see how uh, it is that Paul is preaching who Jesus is right in the middle of the Galatian church by Quoting, everyone say, God is one. Exactly. Heroes of the Lord our God is one Lord. Praise God. He is one. Everyone say, God is one. And so it is. He's lifted it right from the, right from the Shemais, preaching it right in their midst. And what he's saying is that, uh, that Jesus is God and that he is our Savior and he is, he's both Lord and God at the same time. Now let's look at what the basis of this of this sermon is so here we go we only got a few seconds let's check and see all right here we go so paul is preaching to them about whether or not you have to continue to offer sacrifices like they did in the old testament because he was jewish and of course god came to the to moses and Revealed himself to the Jewish people. And that's the basis of the Jewish and Christian faith. And it literally took the world by storm. And of course Jesus himself was a Jew. And so Paul is answering the question. Well if Jesus has come and brought us this gospel. What about the law? What do we do with the law? The law is what brought us here. And Paul is answering that question. Can you say praise the Lord? In other words, why did they offer sacrifices of animals? Now think of it, if every time you came to God, you had to have an, 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 an altar and, and shed blood. and so, I mean, that, That's what I'm trying to say. Paul said, no, there's a reason that you don't. And here we go. And the answer is that when God spoke to Abraham, everybody say Abraham. I'm going to give you two names, Abraham and Moses. Can you say that? Abraham and Moses. Abraham was not a mediator. 
God spoke directly to Abraham. That's our promise. Just like he speaks directly to us. Everybody say, praise the Lord. God speaks as he chooses. But when he instituted the law, he used Moses. How many knows that Moses went up into the mountain and, and, uh, he, and Moses would, uh, God would say to Moses, go and tell Pharaoh this and do this and do that. And they went into the wilderness and they wandered for 40 days. And, and so when God would speak to the people, like when it was, God gave him the law, how many knows, what did Moses get on the, some of you are actually awake now. When, when Moses was up on that mountain and, and the lightning and all, and God was giving him the law, what did God actually hand Moses? The Ten Commandments. He wrote them out with this. We got a world today throwing them away. I want to tell you something, folks. God's going to live long after this world is gone. You need to believe what God says. What men say is one thing, but what God says is quite another. And so God spoke to Moses, and and he Moses was the mediator. And Hebrews 9 tells us, that G, and of course, we're studying Hebrews. We'll be back to it in, in about two months. We, we're going to study it all year long until we're done with it. And we're in the four, third quarter of it. So God says in Hebrews 9 that Jesus, I know we're kind of heavy duty here. But Jesus is the mediator of the New Testament. He's the mediator of the new covenant. Praise God. So, so it is. But Paul is preaching Jesus resurrected. How can the church not go back to offering blood sacrifices because of what Jesus has done? Of course, when Easter comes along and Christ is nailed to the cross and his, his blood is shed. And I hope you're listening to me today. His blood was shed for you. His blood was shed for you. You say, well, that, there's billions. No, no, I know that. But his blood was shed for you. It was intended for you. One guy said, well, uh, a theologian, uh, he said, well, you know, the blood doesn't, we don't, we don't need blood. That's gory. And so, you see, that's the kind of world we're in. Who needs a Jesus where his blood? I mean, the blood of, uh, it was Thomas Paine who said the, the blood of Jesus is no more efficacious than the blood of a pig. That's what Thomas Paine said. That's, that's man's way of thinking. But I want to tell you something today. His blood was the atonement for all sin. And it was the, listen to me, it was the basis of Abraham's promise. So God comes directly to Abraham. Okay, we're almost done. Now you gotta, folks, if you don't get this, you, you, then this few minutes is wasted. Comes directly to Abraham. <laughs> Praise God. And he says, Abraham, I'm making, are you Abraham? Okay, good. I'm making a promise directly. Now, when Moses was up there, okay, you got to take all this blood and that's going to keep reminding you that your sins are there. But Abraham, I'm speaking directly to you. Your family is going to be more numerous than the stars of the heaven. 
I'm going to make a great... He didn't need an intermediary. He goes directly to Abraham. And so based on that, Paul begins to preach. The way that God came directly to Abraham is how we now have a one-on-one relationship with God because God came to Calvary and he has fulfilled that promise. His blood is shed. No more shedding of blood. No more necessary uh, taking animals back and forth. God has become our salvation. He is our mediator. God as man became the mediator. And so we can thank God for the law. Thank God for all of that. But that's now fulfilled. Its purpose is over. And so let's begin. Uh, until, by the way, that's not 3.2. It's supposed to be 3.20, but somebody typed that wrong. I don't know. Here we go. Uh, so here we, here we read from the ESV. To give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say to offsprings, referring to many, but referring to one and to your offspring, who is Christ. In other words, the promise was, okay, Abraham, my promise to you is there's going to be a Christ, and that Christ is going to take care of everything that I have just said. This is what I mean, verse 17, which came 430 years afterward, does not... This is what I mean. The law, which came 430 years afterward, does not annul a covenant previously ratified by God so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise. But God gave it to Abraham by a promise. Two more verses. Why then the law? In other words, why was there a law? Why all that blood? It was added because... Of transgressions until the offering should come to whom the promise had been made. All of the years that were necessary to bring about the salvation of the world were provided at the very hand of God Himself. Abraham, I've told you hundreds of years before it even comes to pass. Christ is going to be the one that will take care of every blemish, every problem that you face. He's going to give you the hope that you need. Praise God, because he is our mediator. Let's lift our hearts together and give him a little bit of praise. I'm getting ready to have to move out of the way. Father, thank you today for the resurrection. Thank you for demonstrating your mighty hand in this in this world and in our lives, and we give you praise for it in Jesus' name. Could we stand together? We're going to have to kind of make a little bit of a change, but I'd like us to remember today as we celebrate. I know there's not an evening service tonight, but that's so that you can. your family's going to be here. Folks are coming, and we want you to be able to enjoy the entire day. We normally do have a night service, and our children are getting ready to come, and the praise team is coming. But I wonder if we could right now... Some of you are wondering, God, are you able to, are you able to deliver that person? Can you, can you save them? And you're believing God. Someone in, could we bow our heads? Come on, let's just pray right now. Let's pray for someone that's on your heart today.